We're going to bring you on to our huddle. Jordan, the words huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me, per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxine. How's it going? I say crazy excited for today's guest. So excited. This is the second time we've recorded the intro. Joining us for the first time in huddle history, a guy with more Warriors experience than I can list in a single intro. For example, a man who used to play hoop with Bob Myers every Wednesday before Bobby Myers became our GM. A hoop head who had a bowl of Apple Jacks with Steve Kerr and Eric, the legendary equipment guy in China when he traveled to that country with Golden State. A professional player with overseas experience who not only watched but helped run a workout that featured a shooting contest between Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and an NBA trainer and coach who helped make Clay the four-time champion elite two-way player. He is today Mr. Charlie Torres. What's going on, Charlie? I'm I'm uh, I'm shocked. That was such a great intro. I don't even know what to say, but uh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for everything, man. This is uh, um, kind of gave me goosebumps coming into this. Come on, man. I, I appreciate you saying that. So I'll give you some um, some reality behind the scenes here. Reality number one. I, interest, I, I normally like putting those intros together. Um, it's a good way to kind of let everybody know who the hell we have. I had difficulties with yours, dude, because I didn't know what to cut. You had so many random little bullet points. I wasn't sure where to go. So there's admission number one. Admission number two, I haven't flubbed an open like I did like 30 to 40 seconds ago for, I don't know, dude, years. So this mm. I, the biggest compliment I could give you is that I literally couldn't get through the first one because my equipment melted down with all the compliments I was trying to pay. So <laughs> fucking pleasure having you on the show. <laughs> Oh man, thanks for having me. It's, a, it's a, uh, the pleasure is all mine. I, I love uh, just being on and talking uh, hoop with with you know guys that are as enthusiastic as yourself. Excellent. Um, let me know when you become disappointed. I put an over under at like 14, 15 minutes, but we'll find out. And I tell you what, man. So I got so much shit to ask you. Let's jump yeah. in. Yeah, let's do it. Clay stuff bursting out of me, but first let's cover you. Yeah. So mm. I know you are from SoCal and you're a vet yeah. of La Mirada High School where a bunch of NBA guys went, Derek Williams, Stanley Johnson, which leads to the only question I'm going to ask you I'm worried about. Were you a Lakers mm -hmm. fan? I was a Lakers fan growing up, um, but I, you know, they traded my favorite player, Eddie Jones. <laughs> and they did that for Kobe, and then I was a Laker hater. And then I worked, uh, I worked at Kobe Skills Academy. Um, man, I want to say it was like 2005 or six. And I keep hearing stories that Steph and Clay were in that thing, in that that academy with uh, Derek Rose, Tyreek Evans, OJ Mayo. But I don't remember them being there. But just kind of a random little fact for me. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah. Can you yeah, still root for a team? I mean, so what, what I started thinking is, you know, shit, he's a Laker fan, but then realized you've worked with so many NBA players. You've worked with a bunch of NBA teams. Do you still root for a single team or does that kind of disappear when you're actually in the industry working with these guys? Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. It totally disappears. I just root for, you know, the, my, my boys that I, that I work with. So, <laughs> um, they, you know, and, and, you know, some guys along the way get, get a little more, I don't want to say jealous, but, you know, they get, they're really competitive. So I have to be careful what I'm posting and what I'm saying. And, of course. you know, nothing, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, the, the Warriors are so easy to root for because I've been around a lot of the guys for so long. I mean, Bob, like, man, I loved playing with Bob. Like, I didn't know what the heck Bob did for the longest time. I had no <laughs> idea it was an agent. It was just like someone we, you know, we... I'd play with every Wednesday and we'd, we'd always had a connection and, uh, he, you know, we'd get in and out after the game. That was it. Okay. That was our, so, our, our relationship. I've got a huge challenge today because it's going to be mm -hmm. sifting through the follow-ups I want to ask. I'll give you an example. I already have like seven or eight after what you just started. Let me start here. Yeah. So you don't have sure. to give me the hierarchy. You don't have to tell me who is above other people. But if that's me yeah. and I'm working with people, I would have people I'm rooting for a little bit more. You know, so like if one player I've trained is playing another player I've trained, I wouldn't be able to tell the two of them who I hope wins. But I'd have someone, mm. you know, because I'd work with them longer. For you, yeah. you, don't give me the hierarchy, but is that true? You know, are there people you root for a little bit more than, than the other guys? 
Um, not really. I well, I guess so. But it it, <laughs> it mainly goes with like how uh, how that player's career is going. You know, Why? Like, what do you like mean? Clay's, Clay, well, Clay's career is is obviously like untarnished. Uh, you know, aside from like getting hurt. So as as he was coming up, like I wasn't. Obviously, I put in a lot of work and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, being on the court with him. But uh, there was, you know, a significant amount of, like, extra, um, like, childhood heart that wanted Stanley to do really well to, to kind of, like, mm-hmm. make his imprint in the NBA. That makes and sense. Have, have, Derek, have Derek, you know, make his imprint in the NBA, you know. Um, and it's, it's exactly how it is. Like, I mean, they, they call it the lottery. I mean, it is literally the lottery. Like that—that that is half the battle. You know, just being lucky. You mean with the team and the organization and the situation yep. and, and 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 what advantages come? Um, I've got a lot sure. of stuff about that. And before I do it, Bob Myers playing with him. So I mean, I yeah. listened to another yeah. podcast where you kind of casually mentioned that Myers was literally playing with you every Wednesday, and just like he said there, yeah. and he said. You didn't know he was a GM. Give me some. So it's, you know, he's no longer our GM, but I already miss him, Charlie. You know, I've, I've got a very complicated relationship with Mike Dunleavy as a longtime uh, Warriors fan, uh, to say the fuck. Yeah. Words. But tell me more about Bob Myers. You know, I mean, just personality wise, dude. What was it like playing Bob, with him? Guy. Well, I, I I mean, I think it would be like a little Lambeerish. You know, like <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm sure the guys that were weren't on our team hated us. <laughs> like the the guys that we played against. I mean, we had a we had a white shooter. His name was Rob Best, one of my closest friends. Um, <laughs> he played at Chico State, and you know myself and Rob would just make every shot and talk a lot of shit. And <laughs> then you had Bob, who would just beat you up. You know, hit some mid range shots, hit some post moves, and then you know run his ass down the court to get an easy transition. You know, run out. Yeah. So. Like no one liked us, you know. They're they're the teams in the league were like, these are like teams that, get, like this is their league to get ready for the Drew League. So it's all pro am guys. Then there's like, you know, there was a team that was all ex LMU guys, all ex UCLA guys. But I mean, play, look, you did not want to be on the other end of Bob because he has elbows and he uses those. He must have. So you and I have some stuff in common, man. You took it way further, but at the risk of uh-huh. uh, of being too transparent. I grew up playing hoop. I grew up in Oakland, California. Uh-huh. And in high school, I was one of the only white dudes in the fucking league. And so every time oh, I yeah. showed up to a game, I was immediate, you know, people thought nothing. And it was kind of an advantage, you know, and you describing what was going down in that yeah. league. I imagine there's some um, some hard lessons your opponents learned. But I digress, dude. So if you guys were talking shit, did Myers contribute to that? I don't see Myers as a shit talker. I see him being hell No, but, but the thing is, yeah, he, he's super competitive and he didn't sh- – he had to talk a little bit because me and me and Rob, the other shooter, were talking a lot because Rob and myself had a, had a, had to have a huge chip on our shoulder, yep. and you know we always felt like we should we belong and we should be playing like on bigger stage professionally or in college and all that. Yep. And um, you know Bob was obviously very secure with what he did and and his his achievements in college, uh, whereas Rob and myself, well I. As far as I know, Rob, Rob is older than me, um, so I can't really talk for him. But for myself, I was a, I was kind of a late bloomer. Like I was really small. I only played significant minutes my junior and senior year of high school, and we weren't very good. So like when I played in junior college, it was like, oh, now I got to figure out how to play with with better better people. Sure. And that was a challenge for me, which I didn't figure out until I had started playing with Rob and Bob Myers. So that was that was the challenge. That was the biggest challenge for myself. And, um, it, it, you know, obviously Bob had to, had to, you know, he had to throw some shots back at some of these guys simply because Rob and myself really got the, the, the fire burning in a I'm lot sure. of other opponents. Yeah. When I imagine <laughs> the other team starts talking shit and as competitive as Myers is, if someone takes a shot at him, I, I could see him having a couple of lines back. And the the challenge you just talked about for yourself, successful, man, because you played overseas, right? I know you played in yeah, Mexico. Yeah, I played in Mexico. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. The, the other thing I was going to say was, you know, you were, you were talking about, you know, the, you know, you being the only white guy. Like, Rob and myself were the only white guys playing in the Drew League in, like, from 04 to, like, 07 of, <laughs> the, you know, like, those years. So, 
there was a huge chip on our shoulders and um, our team was exactly like that, except everyone else on our team was, was, uh, you know, business workers. Like they, they, like we had, we had a guy that was a walk on a UNLV, just like, like Bob was that played just like Bob. And he was a a six, seven Jewish guy. Let's go. His name is Noel. Yeah. His name was Noel Bloom and Noel would talk crazy shit with us. So we had like, we had five of our eight guys were all like Billy or, you know, Billy Ho, Billy Ho's from white man can't jump. Of course. Hell yeah. So, so yeah, that was it. Um, sorry to backtrack on that. Uh, your question was about me oh, playing okay. uh, in Mexico. Here, here's a standing agreement between you and I, Charlie, anytime you want to bring up yep. Billy Ho, you have my fucking, uh, you have my complete blessing. I get the feeling that you and I are right around the same age because we're dropping the same kind of references. So this super to me, including, uh, Eddie Jones, by the way, and I might get a oh Noel Bloom fucking jersey if he was a six eight Jewish kid talking hell of shit in the Drew League. That oh, really speaks yep. to me. But let's yeah, put these conversational topics together, Matt, because you know cool. you, you're an NBA trainer now and you're a coach. Did mm-hmm. playing for as long as you played, how does that help? You know, because I'm sure it's got to really aid in the relationship you have with the players and in the actual drills. So how do the two things meet? Well, it, it, it was organic and I thought, I thought it out. Um, but like, as I, as I was finishing up high school, I was already starting to kind of like hang around the gym just to get extra gym time and then help out with the, you know, the incoming varsity team, uh, for years to come. And then when I went to junior college, I was doing the same thing. I was always helping out the big men. I was always teaching, you know, different post moves and different techniques to guys on my team. So it was like a smooth transition. Like, into coaching as I was playing. And one of the biggest decisions I made to stop playing professionally, which was after my, the one year I did was simply to, to be here to help and, and coach Derek Williams after that was his hit him and Clay's rookie year. So, you know, Derek really, you know, wanted me around to, to help him throughout that, that lockout year. You know, I stayed back and I ended up coaching at my high school, Lamarada. I think that was, yeah, it was 2011, 2012. I met, Caden Reinhardt and Stanley Johnson, anically, it just kind of took off. You talked about like, like I think if you if you look at me and you're like, okay, this who's this five eight Mexican kid? Um, I don't look the part. I used to have long hair. Now I have a beard, so I look Persian. And uh, like back then, no one knew what the hell I was. Um, so, so my my big thing was, I felt like every gym we went to, everyone started calling me coach because I was around Derek and and, and a lot of other guys when we were huh. playing pickup. But um, I was I was kicking ass and taking names, so um, it, it drew in other guys that wanted to work out and, and enjoyed seeing the play style that I was kind of cultivating. And you know, if you looked at it outside looking in, you're like, man, if it's working for for Chuck, who's you know five eight, 140 pounds, it's gonna work for someone that's six eight, athletic, and you know, jumping out of the gym, which is exactly what it did for, for you know my guys. And that makes perfect sense. It's also mentality. I heard you talking about this For on another sure. show. And what I remember you saying was that, look, my mom would point out that I was Mexican and short, and she told me I should only play football or baseball. And you said yep. in in in, the, in that context, look, you just can't take no for an answer. I never did. Which <laughs> really fucking speaks to me, man. So, I mean, let me, let me ask yeah. you this. Is this a dream job? You know, I mean, did you manage It is a dream job. Yeah. And so, like – What's that like, man? You know, I, mean, I I have a job I like, but it's not my fucking dream mm. job. If I won the lottery, these guys would never see me again. You know, I'd, I'd be off into the wind. <laughs> so for you, what's it like traveling around the country doing something you genuinely love, something you manifested? Really, I mean, traveling around the world and being with, with people I enjoy being with and and, uh, and coaching with and kids that listen and and enjoy, you know, our good times and our bad times. And that, that's a special thing. Like I, I knew I loved it when, um, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. My, my grandpa, he got sick and my grandpa was a huge Utah fan. Hmm. You know, he's, a, he's a, yeah, another guy with a chip on his shoulder, a Jewish guy from, from Brooklyn. But, uh, he, um, you know, he got sick the year I was supposed to commit it to Georgia Southern. And, um, like that whole like I knew, I knew I really loved something because I had no problem going to the gym and working with kids that day. 
I had no problem doing the three mile hill jog I did with my buddy Frank Ramirez. I had no problem going in the gym that night, even though my grandpa had just passed away. Yeah. And you know, that that's, he's my best friend, you know, like I got it. He, he's, he's my screensaver on my phone. Like that, that's everything. Man. Uh, even though his, his daughter, my mom didn't really want me to, to play like that. Like my grandpa got to see me play. And that was, that was one of the more special things. Like I think the last summer league I played in at East LA college with, with Compton, um, you know, I was, I was killing man. And that that's when I was like, wow, I could really do something with this. Yeah. So, that's badass, man. Um, and Jewish yeah. from Brooklyn, you just described my grandfather as well. Charlie, it turns out you and I should be best friends. I don't know. I mean, there's there's hey. like more, more pressure on this now. Like at the end of this, I yeah. think to be really we might need bunk beds. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's exactly right. I'm ready. Dude. You, you tell me. Uh, we'll see how you still feel in the next 20 minutes. Uh, tell me. So more. much room for more activities. <laughs> exactly right. Um, tell me more about being an NBA trainer. All right. And so, again, I'll be transparent. Yeah. We, I, yeah, I no, know it's fine. I, well, I know players have personal trainers. I've been to a bunch of Warriors practices. I've seen the individual workouts. Wow. And, I, and I'll, I'll bring them up. You know, when I'm talking with friends, I'll talk about people's trainers. But between you and I, Charlie, I don't really know what that means. You know, what kind of stuff you guys work on, what you do with the player. So give us an overview, dude. What, what does it mean to be someone's trainer? Um, you know, it's a lot. Um, availability is the biggest thing. Like, do you have time when, when their time opens up, you know? So, and, and that, to go on another note, like, like we were just talking about earlier, like, like loving what you do. Like I love being around guys that love being in the gym. Like that. It's such a breath of fresh air. Like, like guys can be 15, 20 minutes late and I could be driving an hour and a half to get there. And you know, they're, they're showing up 20 minutes after me or whatever. And I have no problem. Like I'm good <laughs> because I know whoever walks in that gym is, 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 you know, just walking on cloud nine to be in the gym with me. And that's, that's special. You know, I, I understand it's their off season. So I, I know how it is when, when you're in season, you got to be on time to the bus. You got to be on time to practice. You got to be on time to shoot around. You got to be on time to wait. You know, that's, that's 82 games they play. Sure. That's, that's more than three, three quarters, three, three quarters of, of uh, a year that they got to be on time for everything. Like, why should I make this that, that serious? So really what I'm hearing you say is, man, it's building the relationship is a super important portion of this. You know, if, if someone got there 15 minutes late and you're crawling up their ass, that's not going to help anything. And so one of the things you yeah. have to do is be understanding and be patient. But I tell you what, you're downplaying this a little bit, Maxime. So here's one of the stories I got from Charlie. So he works with Derek yeah. Williams. You know, he, he picks up Derek Williams. He, he went to the same high school. He starts shepherding him through. And by the time Derek Williams is a senior, he's getting fucking recruited by everybody. And what Charlie talked yeah. about was that there'd be times when Derek Williams would go to a party somewhere. Charlie would be fucking worried that something would happen. And Charlie would send friends, people he described as roughnecks. He would send his boys to that party to make sure nothing happened that would impact Derek's future. Yeah. So – the the relationship with the player, you as a trainer, it's not just on the floor. It sounds like you do a lot of stuff off the floor too. Yeah, it, it's it's a full uh, it's a full time gig, um, and it's it's uh, you know like I went to Compton College, and I probably had I had guys that you know were in halfway homes and group homes, um, jail. Um, you know, didn't graduate high school, you know, all kinds of different stuff, you know, from Watts, Compton, South Central, all over the place, guys from Fort Lauderdale, Africa, all over. <laughs> and, you know, seeing the obstacles that they had to go through. And one of the things I told Stanley Johnson's mom when, um, when we first talked about him working out with me was, you know, I, I said, Hey, you know, Karen, your, your son's going to be an NBA player, but I guarantee I can make this this high school passed and through college and to the pros, like I can make this the smoothest ride that you can have. Hmm. It's not going to get any smoother than what I can provide. And that included all of the things you were just talking about. That's gold and a perfect transition for this. 
So before you can work with anybody on anything, certainly hoop, and then certainly dictating my future, because that's what you're talking about, right? When you're, when you're talking yeah. to Kim, letting her know, look, I've got your son's future in my hands and you can trust me. So mm-hmm. as far as trust, how do you build that with either the player or the parents? Like what goes into that relationship? Well, I, I mean, it's, it's really just actions at first, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, the, the player seeing that I'll give you whatever I have, you know, whether it's, you forgot your socks, you forgot your shoes, you don't have $5 to eat. You don't have gas money to get there. I'll send it Uber. Um, it, it's, it, it could be anything, man. It, it literally could be anything. So I, uh, I provide all those. I, I just, I solve problems, man. I'm, I'm like, uh, the wolf from, uh, Pulp Fiction. Okay. Yeah. From Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. Like Harvey Cartel. So, I'll start calling you. Uh, exactly. But yeah, I mean, I, I've always kind of enjoyed solving problems. My, my, you know, talking about my grandpa, like he was my wolf. Who, who the hell am I to, to not be someone else, someone else's wolf? Like I'm always just trying to be there, you know, to help everyone out, you know, when I can, how I can, whatever. I love that. I've and always, I've always tried to be there. Take us to the actual on the floor stuff. So once, sure. once you've established the relationship, now you're getting, you know, you're going to go into the gym. You're going to start working on a guy's skill set. How do you decide what it is you're going to work on? I mean, does that do they come to you and say, "Hey, I want to, you know, be better from 18 feet. I want to be better in the crowd while dribbling." Is that something that like you assess them and then tell them what what goes into that process? So it's a little bit of both. Um, I like to give them some ownership. So there's, there's things that some guys want to add to their game and it, it, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to add. Um, there's some things that they, you know, obviously like they don't even need to add because they don't do it that much. So what's the point? A lot of trainers will be like, Oh yeah, we're not doing that. You don't do that. Um, with myself, Hey man, let's, let's see if, let's see if we can grow this skill set. You know, I'm all about growth. I'm all about it. It's going to, it's going to be really shitty at first, but if we can add 10 or 15 minutes of, uh, of some, something that's uncomfortable that you're open about, about working on, I think that's, that's a part of what we do every day. Um, then there's going to be footwork is always something I'm, I'm going to keep a, a part of the workout. Hmm. Um, you know, some Hakeem Olajuwon, some Michael Jordan type stuff, some Larry Bird stuff, some uh, Dirk Nowitzki stuff. Um, that that footwork, doing that at the beginning of the workout, it really locks you in mentally because footwork is not easy, especially if you're, you know, 6'6 six, six and above. Sure. So it, it it's kind of like a mind trick. Like we work on footwork early. And now I don't have to do all this other stuff to get you locked in because like you – whether it's sloppy at first or it's just clean, it, it still just kind of locks your brain in. So that, that's kind of like a, one of the, the biggest cheat codes I've, I've been doing for a while now is uh, the footwork. Is it hard to tell someone you need to work on this? You know, so like, again, to, to keep it personal, if someone yeah. came to me professionally and was like, these are the things you need to work on, I would take it super hard, especially if they were right. You know, if they, if they did, if they identified something like for me, like you have to be a better writer and I did have mm. some shortcomings in my writing game, it'd be hard to hear that at first, dude. I wouldn't want to just, you know, start working on it. So is it hard pointing those things out or once you're already in the training relationship, that's what they want to hear? Yeah, I think at first it, it, it's a little, it's a little unique. Um, I don't, I don't really look at those kind of conversations. Uh, like if, if you don't want to do something that I'm, I'm telling you like <laughs> that, that, that I think we should work on. I think it's just best you go our separate ways, honestly, huh. you know, like, cause I've been doing this since I was 17, 18 years old. I'm, I just turned 40 and I've done it with some of the best. And like, if, if the best are going to listen to me and do it the right way, then, then I think you at 16, 15, 14 years old, you better, you better take my advice to hand. I love that. Um, it's uh, it's just a part of being coachable. Like if if you can't if you can't take 
some sort of instruction or coaching, then uh, you're gonna have a hard time in the league. Like it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be for you. Because trust me, the way I I relay the message is much easier than you're getting it from Greg Popovich. <laughs> I I heard you or say Bobby Knight. I was gonna save this for down the line, um, mm-hmm. but so I know you've worked with Kevin Durant. Um, and you had a quote somewhere else where you said that Kevin Durant likes to be coached hard, you know, and then like, that's just, that's just who he is. And I thought it was such an interesting phrase. What does that mean? You know, what does that mean for Kevin Durant? What does it mean generally speaking? So, yeah, I think, uh, so this was, this was pretty interesting. Like, I don't really, I don't really think it's, it's like hard coaching. He just wants the real, Hmm. like he just wants to be told the real stuff. Like, I think he's, He's been blessed to where he's had really good coaches, high school, college, all that, uh, you know, professionals. Like, he's been coached. Um, and all those guys, you know, maybe some of them catered to him or not. I don't really know the, the details, but, like, just just seeing it, like, he's, he's going to – that perfect example we were just talking about. Like, if, if someone's not going to buy into my coaching, like, why was I, how was I able to do this with Kevin Durant? Like on a whim, I didn't even know, like really we were going to work out. And it was him, myself and clay. And he, boom, took instruction, listened, learned, went right into it. So that, that's kind of like the, uh, the, the biggest thing is, is, <laughs> is like, you know, just keeping it real with, with the player and telling them how you feel and telling them, you know, like, Hey man, this is your deficiency. This is how we're going to fix it. And um, I'm going to be here with you through the entire, through the entire ups and downs of it. How long have you been working with Clay, man? Since uh, after the lockout year, so 2011, 2012. And every now and again, we'll hear a story from people's trainers about something insane that happened during a training session. Um, I'll give you an example. Brandon Payne this offseason was talking about a session he had with Steph where Steph shot like 85% and that made the rounds on social media. Any stories yeah, yeah. from clay workouts, man? Anything stick out to you? Oh uh, man, there's, there's been a bunch. Uh, 2015, 2014, 2015 was probably the, one of the really just uh, crazier years because, you know, like I think he was, he was get, we were getting, yeah, we were getting him ready for USA and uh, they had just lost to the Clippers. So he had a tremendous edge about him and he wanted to be in the gym a lot, wanted to make that USA team, wanted to make a name for himself. Um, and there was probably three workouts out of the 30 that we did that off season where, you know, usually I don't really count, you know, attempts and ma- and makes, um, but we kind of go for time or, you know, different, different drills where it'll be like, all right, you need to make like three in a row or five in a row or 10 in a row. And like there was three workouts that 2015 summer where I think he missed under 10 shots in a workout. Jesus. Yeah. I know that in your house somewhere is a net. The reason I know that is because you told a story (laughs) about Clay literally shooting the net off of a basket, dude. Tell me yeah. more about that. No, that was really some Benny the Jet sh- shit. Like it was, <laughs> it was straight out of Sandlot. Um, and I kind of knew it. I, I like going into that. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, because uh, we were in the gym a lot. And it wasn't a regular like cotton net. This was like an NBA net. Like it had like the you know the the wire through the middle that you know like you you connected through the through the the uh, long hoop. Yep. And he uh it just started, he just started popping. It was the left corner, like the, the left corner. When you make that shot, like the, when you're facing the rim, it's the right side of the net. And then the left corner, it's the back of the net. So he just kept hitting the same spot. It popped it a little bit. Um, I don't know. It ripped like a piece of the nylon off. And that was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I think it was a Saturday. There was like AU games in the gym and he had, single-handedly like just disintegrated the net and yeah i think it's at my dad's house i'm not gonna lie i took it (laughs) hell yeah you did uh, yeah um but there there was 
I mean, like, I think I had probably like three or four rebounders, you know, other trainers that, you know, guys I played with that, that I was, I'm, I'm really close with, like, you know, real hoop heads. Yep. And, and they were like, Hey, Chuck, this net's done. Like, let's switch ends. And I was like, fuck no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we gotta, we, I want to see them just like, just wreck this thing, you know? Hell yes. You don't stop history before it's been made, dude. If someone's about to yeah. rip the net off with their shots, you let them do it. And let's give credit yeah, no, where it's due special. and call Charlie the professional he is. So for those listening, Charlie's literally in a gym as we speak, waiting to work out a player literally right now. Yeah. So we're yeah. trying to fit in as many clay nuggets as we can before we lose him, which leads to the next <laughs> far too fast question. So clay yeah. is a fucking legend here. You know I mean? You, you don't, you don't uh, author half of the splash brothers or bring in four titles, but it's not just yeah. his play. I feel like his personality is just as well known as everything he's done on the court. How would you describe that personality? I mean, I, how do you even get in touch with him, dude? Because I don't imagine Clay's the kind of guy who's like constantly checking his texts. So any personality <laughs> things you could give us, like anything like that, I'd, I'd love to know. Oh, uh, I mean, he it used to be really bad, um, but like he he's he's grown to you know he's 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 came out of his shell. He definitely has. Um, you know, I, I I didn't really know if he liked me. Or how much he liked me uh, early on, just because you know he was just so straight faced and monotone. Uh, but it was, it was really like it was just fun. Like I thought he, at first, I just thought he wanted like individual workouts, and then he was like, "Hey, can my brother Mikey come?" I'm like, of course, you know. And then it was like, it was like, "Hey, ha- have Stanley jump in." Hey, you know, is Landry gonna be there? Is Landry gonna hoop? Is Solomon Hill gonna hoop? Is Derek gonna hoop? You know, is is uh, Larry Anderson gonna hoop? It was, it, you know, like he, um, he he literally he has, you know, it's probably his best quality other than shooting or being just a really like genuine human, um, is his competitive drive. Like he has the ability to just turn shit on because he's so competitive and he doesn't want to let his teammates down or he he has this drive that you're not gonna beat him in something, and like. You know, he, he can really switch gears going from, uh, um, you know, hanging out with Rocco and, and uh, you know, family. And then, boom, we're playing ping pong and it's it's blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> so, so. Um, here, let's let's do this the easy way, Charlie. Promise me you'll come back sure. on so I don't have to. I've, I've got like three pages of fucking Clay's questions. I can't ask you now. No, no, keep going. So, man, keep going. Yeah, we're good. No. We're good. All right. Well, then uh, yeah, keep here's. Going. Here's the next and and Maxim, he's he's downplaying Clay's inclusion a little bit. I mean, I'll give you an example. Charlie, the way I remember mm-hmm. the story, you're just yeah. gonna go work out, you know, the so the team's set to go to China. It's Katie's first yeah. year. You're already working <laughs> with fucking Clay. Um, yeah, yeah. tell us about that. So how, how did you end up going to China with the Warriors? Okay, so I, I was in the practice facility with Clay and Eric E comes up and he's like, Hey Clay, um, you know, you ready for China like a couple weeks? And Clay's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're all goody. And then um, he's like, well, you can bring someone. He's like, Chuck, you want to go? Like, what? <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm in there. He's like, okay, cool. Thought nothing of it. Two weeks later, he texts me out of the blue. Um, and he's like, hey, I need your passport. I need this. I need that. So I get him all that stuff. And then my passport gets lost with, with Kent Lakobs and Steve Kerr's. So... I was also like kind of like thrown off because like here's the equipment manager handling um, travel and you know serious <laughs> visa stuff, and uh, and but it's I not like you can say out. shit. You know you're yeah, not gonna exactly. be like oh, I don't like, trust you. Like yeah, whatever it is, like yeah. that's what it is. Like fine, dude, I'll send it to whoever you need me to. For sure. And then later I find out like E is the longest tenured person in the entire organization. <laughs> so uh, uh, it was kind of funny, but somehow um, our stuff gets lost. I'm freaking out because I was like, man, they just got Kevin Durant. This would be an amazing trip. Like, kids watch their their mini camp and all that stuff. And um, uh, they expedite Steve Kerr's, and I'm like, damn, like, I'm going to get left out on this. And then uh, they hit me. They found my passport, and here I am flying to China. <laughs> so get to China, like, probably 5.30, 6 a.m., and, um, you know, they there's, like, 500 maybe a thousand people in front of the hotel just waiting for us in shenzhen and i'm like holy shit 
this is crazy. Like I have to be escorted in. And then, um, you know, I, I'm still like kind of jet lagged, but up and, you know, the, the guy's telling us like, Hey man, there's breakfast. And I, I slept through the entire flight. So I was hungry. I go in to get breakfast and Steve Kerr, his wife and Easton at the table. I sit in one behind them. And, uh, Kerr's like, Hey man, who are you? And I'm like, um, Clay's trainer. He'll oh, come pull up a seat. And, uh, yeah, man, just got to have a, you know, bowl of cereal and some, uh, some sausage links and hang out with it with the fellas. Dude, which is and, amazing. Uh, and don't yeah, you downplay which conversation. Yeah, which cereal you picked, dude? Apple Jacks, which Apple I feel Jacks, like yeah, is sure. like the stepchild <laughs> of most. I, I, not enough people give Apple Jacks this credit, dude. So credit to you. But talk about focusing on the wrong part. So if that's me, if I'm sitting at that table and I'm I'm yeah. Clay's trainer and I'm with Kerr, I, you know, you can't. I'm I'm letting them lead the conversation, but I also want to drop something that shows them. Oh, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, I've been doing this for a long time. Or these yeah. are the drills. So how do you handle that? How do you do that conversation? Like, do you do you do you do what I did or are you a little bit more secure? I'm a little more secure. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I just, uh, you know, they weren't even talking about anything basketball wise, you know, he didn't ask me anything, quest, you know, any basketball questions and he didn't know my connection to Arizona or any, you know, any of that stuff. So I, I just, you know, we just had like a human conversation. He was talking to E about, you know, like his family and stuff like that. And, you know, it came to me and I, I told him I knew his son and his son's a great guy. And I knew his son's really close friend, Andrew Payne, who's, you know, one of my closest, uh, you know, basketball friends. Um, so it was, you know, just, just small talk, really, you know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to, I wasn't trying to pitch him for a job, a job or anything. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just there to watch, observe, learn, grow, and, and, um, just grateful for the opportunity. That's, that's kind of my role, you know? How was that experience? Um, what did you see? What was the, what was the mini camp geez, like? What, yeah. What was <laughs> any stories you have to eat up? It was surreal. Um, I mean, Kevin Durant is really good at basketball, like really, <laughs> really good at basketball. Uh, and every time I'd see him, it was like a new Kevin Durant. So, um, why? Know, like, I think, what do you mean? just his growth, his, his, his work, his work ethic, his attention to detail. Um, like that was the first time I really saw him like defend the interior part of the, the hoop, uh, since he was a fr freshman at Texas. Hmm. So like he was blocking shots. He was guarding JaVale McGee. He was guarding Sean Livingston. He was guarding Iggy. He was guarding clay. Like he was just all over the place. And, uh, what the crazy thing was I, I was sitting with, with, uh, you know, some of the guys I know through, through just hooping, Jaron Smith, he was with, he was around Steph. Basically like they're doing, the first team is doing five on zero plays. And, you know, these are new plays for, for Kevin sure. and he's doing five on zero. Anytime he touched the ball, he shot it. So whether he was the first touch, second <laughs> touch, third touch, fourth touch, fifth shot. And I'm, I'm looking like no one's saying anything. Kerr's not saying anything. No, no, none of the players are showing body language, you know, nothing. So then um, they're doing three on three shell. Anytime Kevin touched it, he shot it. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, he's cashing. He's cash. Like, I'm like, wow. Um, so, so then they're, they're, they're doing five on five after they did defensive shell or ball screen coverage or something. And same thing, man. Early transition, catch and shoot. He's like three feet behind the NBA, you know, 45 angle, like just boom, three up and then I'm like, no way. Like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? Is he going to dribble today? <laughs> so I, I, I look at Jerron and I'm like, dude, what is going on? Like, like he didn't, he shot everything he touched in five on L. He's like, yeah. And, and tomorrow he's only shooting one dribble pull-ups. And on, on Thursday, he's only passing. And hmm. on Friday, he's only going to the hoop. And then on Saturday, he's going to do everything. And I was like, hmm. wait a second, this guy's playing exactly how I play at the La Mirada LA Fit or 24 hour fitness, but with the greatest team in the world <laughs> in minicamp. <laughs> and I was like, I was just like my jaw dropped. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. 
I mean, of course I know what you mean, but Charlie, I mean, I'll, I'll again be transparent. This is hard for me to listen to. This is like talking about an ex-girlfriend about how awesome she was. Katie doesn't play for us anymore, dude. This is like, this is like digging out my soul hearing how phenomenal he is now that he's no longer a warrior. I mean, you know, it just, it just is what it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, he hasn't shot catch and shoot uh, that well since he left. So appreciate you saying that. Nicely played. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell me more about Clay and let's focus on recently. All right. So you talk about how yeah. competitive Clay is, and we know mm-hmm. he's coming up off of an injury. So, you know, sure. if, have you been working with him the last couple of years? Does it seem like he is ramping it up physically? You know, what, what do you, oh, man. what's he, been your he, experience with him? Well, First off, he, he looked he he looked really well he looked really good. Um, I was with him when when his Achilles happened, um, hmm. and it was a no contact play, and he was he was killing. You know, the day before he was the best player in the runs. Oh. Um, looked healthy, everything was good. You know, you can see there there wasn't that much atrophy in his in his you know um, his knee leg. Um, he was unreal, and man, you talk about ramping it up like. We were we were getting after it, man. Like he was, it was a lot of running and shooting and finishing and running and shooting and finishing and running and shooting and lifting and lifting and running and shooting. There was a lot, there was a lot of time, a lot of a lot of, uh, you know, just just kind of feeling each other out. Like, hey, man, you good to do this? You good to do this? You want to do this? You know, like a lot of questions we were asking and and figuring out together. So that was a, an amazing process, um, and just getting to, to see him on a lighter side, like, you know, plans that he, he wants to do after he's done playing and, <laughs> you know, family and just, you know, I mean, that's my fucking boy, man. Like I love him to death, you know, like he's, he's really, you know, family. So then the Achilles happened and it was, it was just devastating, man. So, so to yeah. see him come back and, and, you know, fast forward, you know, I got to go to his first game back. He, he had the dunk, you know, um, of course clay day. It was, yeah. I mean, super emotional. I get emotional talking about it now. Yeah. Um, but, but the, the hours, the, 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 the work, the sweat, the emotion, the, you know, the, the bad times, the everything, you know, like we, we put everything we do into, you know, these, this this basketball this, this is what we do and um it was it was so it's so fulfilling you know like helping someone achieve their their dreams and goals is the most fulfilling thing i i mean like i feel like i'm making a billion dollars a year and my dad would probably probably wants to kill me because i'm not <laughs> and he's upset but i don't look at it that way i i, I live i live for the moment I enjoy it. Like I'm sitting here in the Miami heat locker room, looking at Dwayne Wade getting fouled by Dirk and in the finals for a layup on the wall. <laughs> like, you know, it's, this is crazy. Like, I'm, I don't know. I'm just blessed. Um, so I think, I think through all those, through the injuries, like, like clay just has so much gratitude and he's so thankful for having his mom and dad and his support system, his brothers, his cousins, his close friends. Um, the, the teammates he has, like the, the place he gets to play every day in San Francisco and Oakland, those fans, like it's, it's special, man. I mean, what, like I heard, I heard something that Denzel Washington was saying, um, on like a TikTok, I think. And, um, I don't even have TikTok, but you know, friends send me stuff yep. and it was like him at a round table. He's the only black guy there. It's all like, you know, industry film people like Scorsese and these guys. And, you know, I, I would say probably 95% of the people at the table are, uh, have their job because of a family member or some sort of thing like that. Not to say that they're not worthy of being there and they're not a great, yeah. but you know, there's all kinds of nepotism and I don't think Denzel got in because of, you know, he knew someone, right. you know, I think yeah. he worked his ass off for it and he's really good at it. So I'm looking at like Denzel's like, like man like like this is cool but there's like real shit going on outside of this like i got family members here and there and you know there's people you know they're afraid to get out of their car to get gas and go to the drugstore and this and that and you know like i i think like clay is very present about a lot of that stuff huh so so the the basketball side you know he gets two and a half hours or three hours to be in the gym and and he loves it 
loved it. You know, just, just every part about it. Saying hi to the person that's, you know, cleaning up his sweat at the free throw line, you know, knowing their name, remembering kids, kids that I've been in the gym with him when they were sophomores in high school rebounding that are now like adults that work for FedEx that are driving trucks that come rebound. And, you know, he's like, he, he knows all their names. He remembers, you know, he, he talks to them. Like, you That's know, badass. Uh, you know, I, I think even, even the workouts we do at La Mirada, at La Mirada high school, like it was super funny. Like him and Mikey would come in and we'd work out, you know, hour, two hours at La Mirada high it's a shitty gym, 45 minutes away from where they were living in Orange County. They'd come in, get their workout. I'd open the weight room for them and there'd be, there'd be like, our weight room sucks. La Mirada's weight room is terrible. And they didn't say anything. They didn't complain. They're in there lifting with, you know, eight, eight of the best football players on our team and asking them questions. And the football players are like, what the fuck is Clay Thompson? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's, that's what I get. Like you talk about like, like feeling like a million bucks when I see, uh, a guy like Clay interact with people on some real shit. It makes me so freaking happy and feel like I'm driving a Bentley to work every day. Yeah, I, well, and I I love the stories about Clay. But first, let me give you some credit. You said you felt blessed. Mm -hmm. Let me change that, Chuck. You manifested this. Yep. This wasn't given to you. You didn't scratch off a lottery ticket, and then you know you <laughs> scratched off three things that said NBA trainer. You decided to make yeah. this happen, and you fucking made it happen. So you know, For credit sure. to you picking the the health story up all right so i heard you right right before the yeah. achilles snaps clay is looking fucking fire you know he, he's ready to contribute yeah. then, he, then he gets hurt you i know you've been working with him this off season is he back yeah. to where he was before that achilles snaps you know like are you feeling that he's oh man he's he, physically he looks back? really good let's yeah, go he looks really good yeah why um, give me some details there well um you know i had it I had a conversation with him and I showed him some film. I think it was July 3rd. That was our first workout back this year. Um, but I felt like his base on his shooting was getting a little wide and you know, that, that allows you to get, you know, like have a little more balance, but you lose your pop on your jump. You don't get up as quick. You don't get rid of the ball as quick and Clay's pretty close to six, eight when he's got shoes on. Um, so he's, he's bigger than a lot of these, these, you know, NBA two guards, like, you know, and when he, he, even though he's had a knee surgery and, and, and Achilles, like he can pop off that floor pretty quick and get into his jumper, which is very, very quick. Yeah. So, um, I was just showing him some clips and I said, Hey man, like let's, um, I think if you get a tighter base, you can get up quicker. You might lose some balance, but you'll, you'll gain the quickness and the, and the release will be much more fluent toward the hoop and you'll be able to pop over some of these smaller guards. And it'll, you know, like, like all the shots he hit on, on, uh, Austin Reeves were, you know, it wasn't because he was, he was getting up. He's just bigger than Austin and, mm -hmm. and he's more skilled. So like he shot over Austin. Um, but at, at a certain point he was also like shooting off of, he was like almost doing a dirt fade where he's shooting off of one leg. So Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, they were really good at, at getting to a one, two or a hop. And they would do that not you know they wouldn't square up until they jumped elevated and then they'd face the the hoop at the end and clay's really good at doing that so i wanted to get him uh um to do that again so we talked about it and he's like hell yeah chuck like just keep reminding me you know we'll, we'll, we'll build that foundation again and um that's what we did and man he's he's really been able to get to spots and and start you know, he, he, in the pickup, he was looking really good, man. He was popping over people and obviously he runs really great. Um, we, we worked a lot on his, his hesitations again. Um, which is, you know, you talk about that ownership, like he wanted to add more of more dribbling to his bag. Uh, but I also wanted to maintain a balance between his shot takes and his jab takes. So hmm. I, that's, that's super, you know, I just felt like he was, he was putting the ball down a little too early um, in the playoffs last year. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted him to, you know, get balanced, rely on his shot fake, which is devastating. And, um, and just, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, take a breath when he catches, you know, like wait for that, that closeout to become a little longer of a closeout before he attacks. So, 
that, that, was, that was a lot of the emphasis. Um, and it was, I, it was so much fun. I love this. I'm, I'm fired up enough where like I'm sweating listening to this answer, dude. So that, you know, thank <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot yeah. wait to see what he does next year. A uh, random and very close to my final question, but it just came to me. So, yeah, yeah. you know, R Rodney Magruder is, is signed up for a camp invite. You know, that is, he's showing there. And the yeah. only reason that got any real attention locally in the Bay is that Clay shithoused him. You know, a couple of years ago when Clay was yeah. um, was announcing, he, he dropped, I think, if I'm remembering right, Magruder went up to JTA. They had some exchange following the game. And Clay Thompson happens to be announcing that game and says as it goes down. What's, what's going on over there, Clay? Hey, Rodney Magruder. Oh, no, this dude might be out the league soon. He's probably mad about that. Who knows? Wow. So, you know Clay better than we ever will. Any? Do you think mm -hmm. there's any lasting anything when they get in there to that training camp? Does Clay still give a fuck about that moment or has he moved on, you know, and that it just no longer matters? Well, I, I mean, he's a, he's a good dude, man. So, I like, Casey's going to probably squash it as soon as he sees them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're both professionals, you know, whatever, whatever's going to, you know, help the team is, is, yeah, that's what, that's what KT's about. He's about winning and he wants to win that fifth and, you know, he's going to do whatever it takes to do that. I mean, come on, everyone's had bad. I think the entire league has had bad blood with Chris Paul. So <laughs> they're, they're going to, you know, I think, I think the uh, 15 guys in that, in that locker room are going to figure it out. Uh, fair enough. Um, Chuck, we've taken enough of your time. I definitely want to yep. do this again if we can talk you into it, but I appreciate Anytime. No, no, you. anytime. It's it's just uh, it's go time for me right now. So Of course, dude. No, get <laughs> out of here. Uh, but yep. we, we, I had a phenomenal time. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you real soon, man. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. It was, it was so much fun. I'd love, love to do it again. Oh, let's go. Well, it'll definitely happen. And uh, yeah, have a great workout today. We'll hit you soon. Appreciate you guys. All right, man. Later. Um, God, Maxine, Chuck was amazing, dude. And I, I was nervous as we went through it, but he gave us just gold. If it's possible, I think I like Clay more now than I did before we hit record on this pod. Yeah, that was that was incredible. I got goosebumps the whole time. Well, we got a bunch more stuff from Chuck we'll get in a future episode. For now, if you want to reach out to us, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You can shoot us an email too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We're also on a series of social media sites. Instead of listing those, just hop on them on your own and search Warriors Huddle. You'll definitely find us, including YouTube, by the way, where there's some uh, exciting shit going on. With that in mind, go Warriors. Hopefully, see you real soon. Good, good.